0: So, as I said, last weekend um, was so many things. Incredible, amazing, extraordinary, uh, generation changing. Um, I mean, our church is positioned like we've never been positioned for, for the future, future campuses. You know, God give us Kentucky. Uh, and we could just go on and on and on about last weekend because of how phenomenal it was. But, but there's one problem that I have this weekend with the last weekend. And my problem is, what in the world do you talk about after a weekend like last weekend? It's like, what kind of sermon do you write after that? I mean, what could you possibly come in and talk about after, you know, not only a Sunday morning that was out of this world, but a Sunday evening that was out of this world? You know, a $2.5 million offering, you know, the future of God Give Us Kentucky, the next three to five campuses paid for in cash already. I mean, where do yeah, it's amazing. It's like, where 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 do you go from from here? What do you talk about? So, you know, I, I was going to do a standalone message, and I, I wrote a sermon out of Psalm 103. You know, praise the Lord, O my soul. Uh, you know, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. And so, I wrote that sermon, and I thought, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty good sermon, but eh, I don't think that's it. And, and then I thought, I'll do something out of Luke 17 about the ten lepers, and You know, they got healed and only one came back to say thank you because that that seemed fitting is to come back after, you know, an amazing thing last weekend after God did what he did in us and through us. It's like, okay, coming back and saying thank you, that feels that feels good, that feels right. So I, I worked on that sermon and then I looked at it and said, nah, I don't think that one feels right either. Uh, so I got to think, you know, I got to thinking about, you know, what, what was last weekend, you know, on a, on a broader scale and on a deeper note. You know, what, what was last weekend all about? Uh, what would be something that, that really would capture, you know, where do we go from here? And, and what would be fitting to talk about today after last week? And, and as I was thinking about things on a broader level, it dawned on me that last weekend was really the answer... To prayer, it, it was the answer to so many prayers. It was the answer, you know, to many of your prayers and to many of my prayers, and and really some very specific prayers. Um, I, I keep a journal. It's not a diary. It, it's a it's a flow of consciousness type of journal. Uh, and if you tried to read through my journals, you could probably not understand what in the world I'm talking about. Most of the time, uh, you know, when I put words down on paper, it makes sense to me, but. That's all it needs to make sense to. But I, I keep a journal, and in my journal, I, I keep an ongoing prayer list. And so many things that I had prayed for over the years specifically, uh, God has just been answering. And just not last weekend, because really for months now, there has seemingly been something new in the air with our church. And, and I know that 2020 was COVID, and that, that was all challenging, and coming out of that and back to in-person services. But there really has been this sense of, of newness, of freshness uh, that, that God's doing something new in our church and through our church. And so there's been a lot of expectations and anticipation in the air. And I know it's just not been with me because there's been so many of you I've talked to and I've had that very same conversation that you feel the same way. So there's just been so much going on and, and it just dawned on me, you know, last weekend, the last few weeks, the last few months, it's really been the answer to prayer and, and to many different prayers, um, And and that's what I wanted to talk about today because I feel like we miss something really important. If, If we move past what's happened not only last weekend but in the last few months, if we just move past it and we miss the motivation and the inspiration to continue to pray big prayers, then we've missed something really important. Because I feel like last weekend, take all the other weekends out of it, take everything out of it, If we just zero in on what's happened just in the last seven days, it should be a fresh motivation for us to pray like we've never prayed before, and that's what I want to talk about today. So, with that being said, today is not a sermon. Uh, If you're a guest of ours and you came looking for a sermon, today's not necessarily a sermon. Today's just some thoughts that I've thrown together um, to follow up on last weekend, and I've felt as though it would be a fitting into the series that we've been in uh, the way we found it now for the past few weeks in this series we've been talking about the first christians and And how the first Christians, once upon a time, they decided that they were not going to leave the world the way they found it. And they went out and they changed the world. Against all odds, they changed the world. They turned it upside down is what the New Testament gave them the reputation of. They went out and they turned the world upside down because Jesus had told them to go and make disciples of all people in all nations. So Jesus effectively gave them the mission or their purpose of go, change, the world, and that's exactly what they did. And so we talked about, you know, how did they do that? What helped them do that? Because they're men and women just like us, and they had, you know, families just like us, and they had to make a living just like us. And and all the things uh, that we know per our human experience was also theirs. So they're not different than us. Uh, they're, they're not, you know, superhuman. They're, they're, they're not superheroes. They're people just like us that literally changed the world. And we talked about how they had a sense of urgency, That what was most important felt most urgent. And that their passion and their purpose, it moved in the same direction. And because Christ had told them, go make disciples, that was the most important thing. But it also felt most urgent. And when what's most important feels most urgent, then you can change some things. And then we talked about how not only did they have a sense of urgency, but they had a sense of determination. That they had this unwavering, unflinching pursuit of this purpose that God had given them. And so they were so determined to do it and accomplish it that it opened the door for so many other good things like unity and generosity and partnership and and all the things we talked about, you know, two weeks ago. So they had urgency and they had determination. But there's really something else that if we're going to be true to what the first Christians did, if we're going to be true to what the book of Acts records for us as the historical, you know, account of how the church started and how the church effectively got moving in the direction of changing the world, there's something else that we can't neglect to point out. Because not only do they have a sense of urgency and not only do they have a sense of determination, but one other thing that we see them doing throughout the book of Acts is Praying. We find the first Christians that they were so committed to not leaving the world the way they found it. They had this sense of urgency. They had this sense of determination. But they also, you always find them committed to prayer. Um, And and they believed on some level, as we all should, that their prayers were making a difference. And and here's what we know, whether we think about it or not. Some 2,000 years later, their prayers in the first century, the prayers of the first Christians... They directly influence our lives still today. Their prayers made a difference. And here's something I want you to know and believe more so than you've ever believed before. Your prayers, our prayers, they make a difference. Even if... Your prayers feel like they're not making a difference. Your prayers make a difference. Uh, Max Licato, this is one of those quotes I I keep in front of me quite often. And this is what he said about prayer. He said, our prayers may be awkward. And it is. To pray is awkward. I've never met another person who felt like they were good at praying. I feel like if you feel like you're good at praying, there's just... You're just weird. Uh, most people, you know, I, I've met and had conversations with about prayer. They just feel like, you know, I'm just not good at it. You know, I, I've heard men say that my whole my whole life. I'm just not good at praying. And I've never met anybody, just to encourage you, I've never met anybody, including myself, who've ever thought for once, you know what? I'm good at praying. I, I've never my entire life got up from praying thinking, Phew, Oh, I killed that one. That was awesome. That was great. That was incredible. If he doesn't listen to that, I just don't know what he's going to listen to today. You know, and so you know, it's a little awkward to talk out loud, you know, to be in a room by yourself and and to talk to God, you know, and to try to figure that out and to try, try to talk to God in a way that feels natural and not put on and, you know, uh, it's just kind of awkward. It's awkward to be driving down the road and praying, you know, out loud and all of a sudden you remember you're in the other car that doesn't have the tinted windows and people are pulling up beside of you looking at like who in the world are you talking to and you get really embarrassed and so you you like pick up your phone out of panic and you know like you're having a conversation because it's like you know it's just a little bit awkward and, and and he puts that out there and i appreciate that he said our prayers may be awkward our attempts may be feeble and that's how we feel a lot of times when we pray but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it our prayers make a difference They make such a difference, they can change the course of things. Uh, It can change the trajectory of things. It it can change what happens in the future. And and prayer, just to talk about prayer, it's not flashy, it's not sexy. But when you read the Scriptures, one thing that we can all agree on, the Scripture communicates it as something of paramount importance. It's one of the greatest things that we can do. It's one of the greatest things that you can do. It's one of the, the greatest expressions of our faith is to pray. Um, When I was a teenager, there was a nuclear engineer at Oak Ridge Nuclear Facility who attended the church that I was at, and and he would always buy me books and tell me to read them, and and then I would tell him that I read it, and it just motivated him to want to buy me more books, and so he just bought me book after book after book after book, and and one of the first books that he gave me was about prayer, and it was by a guy by the name of E.M. Bounds, someone who wrote volumes and volumes about the subject of prayer. And, and so much of that man's writings that this gentleman gave to me when I was a teenager, it was formative in my faith. And, and there were certain things that he said about prayer that I've never been able to get away from. And, and one of my favorite things that Ian Bound said about prayer was this. He said, God shapes the world by prayer. I mean, just imagine for a moment if we really, really believe that. That God shapes the world by prayer. That, that in some way, our praying, our prayers can shape what is happening or what will happen in the world. He says, prayers are deathless. The lips that uttered them may be closed to death. The heart that felt them may have ceased to beat. But the prayers, those prayers, they live on before God. And God's heart is set on them. And prayers, listen to this, this is incredible. And prayers outlive the lives of those who uttered them. They outlive a generation. They outlive an age. They outlive a world that man is the most immortal who has done the most and best praying they are god's heroes god's saints god's servants a man can pray better because of the prayers of the past i mean just think of that a man can live holier because of the prayers of the past the man of many and acceptable prayers has done the truest and greatest service to the incoming generation the prayers of god's saints strengthen the unborn generation against the desolating waves of sin and evil. Imagine for a moment if that's true, and as Christians, we believe it is. Um, one of the things that I pray for, I pray for my sons, Shepherd and Grace, and I pray for their future. Wife, I I pray for you know whoever it is that you know God may have for them to marry. If if they marry, God, you know if 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 they're going to marry, I'm I'm going to pray for their spouse and I'm going to pray for that girl. I'm going to pray for her family, and and I've just got a list of things that I I pray about their future because I I believe and I want to believe that my prayers they make a difference for the future of my children. To pray for my grandchildren that are not even born yet, my great grandchildren that are not even born yet, because To believe that our prayers, they make a difference just not for the people that we can see, but for the generations of people who have yet to be born. All of us here, all of us here, whether we realize it or not, we have been impacted by the prayers of other people. And some of those people, some of those people prayed for you before you were ever born. And to imagine that the umbrella of life that you live under is impartial, you know, it's it's connected to the prayers of people who came before you, I mean, it's just amazing to know that our prayers can make such a difference. F.B. Meyer said that the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Uh, that, that's good to remember, you know, that it's not that the unanswered prayers are the tragedy, it's the prayers that we never prayed, it's the things we never asked for. Uh, Woodrow Kroll, he said this about prayer, he said, fervent prayers produce phenomenal results. And that was just another restating of what James, the half-brother Jesus, said when he said that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It is powerful and effective. And again, the first Christians, the one thing that seems obvious as you read through the book of Acts, they were committed to prayer. There's over 30 references to prayer in the book of Acts, more than any other book in the New Testament. So these first Christians, they took the idea of prayer seriously. To which we should ask the question, why did they take this issue of prayer so seriously? It's because the first disciples saw this modeled in Jesus' life. Uh, One of my favorite passages passages about Jesus is found in Mark one thirty-five, And in Mark one thirty-five it says that Jesus got up a great while before the sunrise. And he went out and he found a solitary place and there he prayed. And that was his custom. That was his rhythm. That's what he did. And if Jesus felt the need to pray... If Jesus, the son of God, felt the need to talk to his heavenly father, how much more so should everybody else feel this need or feel this dependency to talk to God? And so Jesus, no matter how busy he was, he gave the first part of his day to his heavenly father. And he spent time talking to God. He spent time in prayer. And his first disciples saw this. And they were moved by this. And they were marked by this. So much so that they made it part of their expression faith. This is what Luke says about his observation of the first Christians. He said, they all joined together constantly in prayer. And and this was him speaking of the 120 in the upper room that we've referenced throughout this series. And he says, there were the women there, Mary the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, and the disciples. And and the one thing that they all had in common was they were committed to prayer. Uh, A chapter later. Uh, speaking of thousands of believers after the day of Pentecost, this is what Luke says. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This was one of the hallmark things of the early church. This is one of those paramount things that the early Christians did. This was one of those distinctly Christian things that you found followers of Jesus doing. They were committed to prayer. You find them you know, praying for boldness. You know, God, help us to say what needs to be said when it would be easier to say nothing at all. God, help us to stand up when it would be easier to sit down. You know, God, give us boldness. They prayed for God to do the miraculous to to do signs and wonders through the church so that the unbelieving world would take notice. Uh, They prayed for opportunities, that God would open divine opportunities to further the kingdom of God. And, And so we find them praying for all kinds of things in the book of Acts. But the one thing that they were doing, they were praying. Praying for different things, but they were praying. And their prayers, when you read through Acts, their prayers made a difference. And here's the thing. Our prayers will as well. Praying makes a difference, whether you realize it or not. Prayers, the prayers of other people have made a difference in your life, whether you realize it or not. Uh, Really early on, when I first got into ministry and I was preaching uh, here and there, and back in those days, it was a real risk to invite me in. I mean, it could go either way. It could be a good thing or a bad thing. And So I hadn't been preaching very long at all, and I was invited to this small church up in Virginia. Uh, It was called Walnut Hill Baptist Church. And, and I ended up being invited back a few times. But the first time that I went there to preach, a friend of mine uh, was the interim pastor. And so he had offered me an invitation to come there. And so I got up that morning, and I preached this sermon. I don't even remember what the sermon was about. But, but after the service, this lady walked up to me. And, and she was probably in her mid to upper 50s, maybe lower 60s. And, and she walked up to me with this big, huge, like, Bible case that had handles on it. it. looked like it was wrapped in a quilt. I mean, it was like one of those expert follower of Jesus Bible cases because the Bible was about that thick, and then she opened it up, and there was, another, there was another notebook for note-taking that was about that thick. I mean, it was not for beginners, and she had all of these highlighters that ran the spectrum of the rainbow, you know, for highlighting and taking notes. I mean, this woman... She loved Jesus maybe more than any person I've ever met, if I was just judging by the thing that she carried around everywhere. But she walked up to me, and she said, tell me your name again. I said, my name is Trevor. And she goes, what was your last name? I said, my last name is Barton. And she goes, that's what I thought they said when they introduced you. And then she opens up this huge notebook of hers, and she just starts flipping back years and years and years ago. And, And here's what I discovered. She... She opened up to this particular page, and she said, there you are. And she had my name written down. I'd never met this woman before. She lived up in Virginia. I lived in Kentucky. And she goes, there's your name. She goes, I have been praying for you for about eight years. Now, she had been praying for me before I'd ever even become a Christian. There was another woman that I grew up with, you know, that had, that she was in the church that I grew up in. And she had passed her name along to this lady because they would met at a conference with each other. And in a prayer group one night, she says, I really want you to pray for this young man that's in my church. His name's Trevor Barton. And I want you to pray that he comes to faith. And so that woman, she wrote down my name, and she said, I have been praying for you to get saved for years. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I'm preaching now. Your prayers did more than get the job done. I mean, you went like a second mile with your prayers. I was like, obviously, you're good at it. Because not only did I get saved, but... Here I am preaching, you know, and I didn't even plan for this. And I was like, wow, you're really good at this. Can I give you like five other things to pray for? Because obviously when you pray, good things happen. But it was amazing. Here was a woman who was praying for me for years, and I didn't even know it. I, I was under the umbrella of her prayers, and I didn't even know it. Her prayers were making a difference in my life, and she didn't even know it. So think about the fact that your prayers, they can make a difference. And they will make a difference. Because God has created a world where our choices matter. Our choices make a difference. Our choices, it can change the course of things. And even though Isaiah 46.10 says that God knows the end from the beginning. And some folks say, well, if God already knows everything that's going to happen, why even pray? And that, that's a great question. And that makes for a really colorful conversation. But in some way that we can't really even articulate or understand... Even though God knows the end from the beginning, God has somehow weaved our prayers into his eternal plans and decrees. That God has not only ordained the end, but also the means of the end. That God has ordained. Before the foundation of the world, before God ever created the world, God had ordained that your prayers and my prayers and the prayers of people they would make a difference. So, how does prayer work with God being sovereign and providential? And you know, how can free choice and God being in control of all things? You know, how does all that work? And, and that's a great discussion. But both can be true because God has determined that in this framework of this world that He has created. That not only is he providentially in control, but in some way he has already weaved the prayers of men and women into his eternal plan and purpose. Which should give us the confidence to pray. Should inspire us to pray. To know that God is all powerful. That God can do anything. So I I can pray for God to do the impossible. But at the same time, God is all wise. So just because I ask God to do what he's capable of doing doesn't mean that it's best for God to do that. So God is all powerful. He's all wise. He knows better to do everything that I ask him to do because he sees more than I see. He knows more than I know. And so it gives us incredible confidence to know that when we pray, in some shape, form, or fashion, our prayers are making a difference. Now, I thought I'd just give you a few thoughts because I want to inspire us to pray Especially on the heels of last weekend. I, I want to in, inspire you. I want to motivate us all to pray like we've never prayed before. Because prayer makes a difference. So, so here's a few thoughts about why prayer is such an important thing. Prayers. In your prayer. When we pray it places us in a posture of faith. Uh, Hebrews 11 says that without faith it is impossible to please God. Because the person who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, God doesn't always feel real to us, right? I mean, God doesn't always feel present. Uh, God doesn't always feel like the reality that he is. But what prayer does, prayer places us in a posture of faith. Because prayer it is acknowledging that God does exist. Prayer is acknowledging that not only does God exist, but God is there and he's listening. And not only is he there and listening, but he cares. And just not that he cares in general, but he cares for me. And that God is at work in the affairs of humanity, and just not with humanity, but this particular human, that God is at work in the details of my life. And the moment that I stop to pray, the moment that you start to pray, it automatically puts you in a posture of faith to believe that God is, that God is there, that God sees and God knows and God's listening and God can do what you're asking God to do, that God is attentive To your words and to mine. And it's a posture of faith. And that's a powerful thing because the writer says that it's impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so every time you pray, it is pleasing to God. Every time we pray, it is pleasing to God. It brings the heart of God pleasure. Every time we pray because it is a posture of faith to pray, to believe that he is, that he's there, that he's listening, that he cares, that he knows he's involved. It places us in a posture of faith, and that's why prayer is a big deal. Another thing that makes prayer a big deal is this, that it calms our anxiety. And there's lots to be anxious about these days. And the Apostle Paul, he gave this advice. He said, don't be anxious about anything. It's like, well, that's easier said than done. But he says, but in every situation, no matter how big, how small, how boring, how dynamic, it doesn't matter, By everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Bring your asks to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, Listen, pray. Because when you pray, you're reminded that there are so much, there's so many things that you can't control. I mean, if you wanna get disillusioned and if you wanna get like a, a bit troubled, just for a moment, think about all the things that you can't control. Think about as a parent all the things that you can't control. Think about as a citizen, all the things that you can't control. There's lots of things that are very important to us that we can't control. We can't even control our respiration. We can't even control our next heartbeat. There's so many things that we cannot control. But when we pray, it is a healthy reminder that we are not in control, but God is in control. And when we pray, we're talking to the one who sees all, knows all, and controls all. that, That he has unconditional love for us and he has unlimited power. And when you are praying and talking to the one who has unconditional love and unlimited power, you know what it does? It squelches anxiety, it suppresses anxiety, and it opens the door for what Paul calls the peace of God that will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That when you acknowledge, God, I am not in control, but you are in control. It opens the door for us to trust God. See, when you realize that you don't control things, there's either two options. There's either anxiety or peace. And peace never comes from knowing that you're not in control. But when you know you're not in control, and you confess that God is, and you trust that God is in control, and that God can be trusted to be in control, that opens the door for peace. That suppresses anxiety. And that's why prayer is such a big deal. Another thing to think about is this, that prayer changes our perspective. That the more you pray about something, the more you begin to see it differently. Uh, Paul said it this way, he says, Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Begin to see everything from the greater reality, from the greater truth. He says, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. He says, the more you pray about a particular thing or a particular situation the more you're going to be able to grasp God's perspective of that situation. The more you pray for this person, the more you're going to be able to see them from the perspective of God and just not your own perspective. And as your perspective changes, it changes your thinking. And as your thinking changes, it changes the way that you feel. It changes your emotional architecture about a particular person or about a particular situation. So he says, pray, because prayer changes your perspective. It will give you more of a perspective that is in agreement with God's perspective of that situation. It allows you to have a perspective that otherwise you wouldn't have unless you pray about it. So he invites us to pray. Another thing is this, that prayer inspires gratitude. And I'm just kind of giving these to you kind of rapid fire because... This is just kind of a, you know, whet your appetite. Hey, why not try to pray? You know, if you're not praying right now, just just start praying. Just give it a shot. Give it a whirl because it's a big deal. It inspires gratitude. It's hard to pray without being grateful. It's hard to pray without expressing some form of thanks to God, you know, for the things that he has done or for who he is. This is what Paul said. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful, and be thankful. Because when you pray, it just it just opens the door for gratitude. You know, God, I just want to thank you. I want to I want to thank you for some things that that I, I'm just I'm, I'm grateful for. Some things that are good in my life, and for some people that are good in my life. And and God, maybe I even want to thank you for some some of those things that were painful. But now there's been some good that's come out of it, and it just inspires gratitude. And gratitude is always good for you. Gratitude is always good for the people around you. So prayer. Prayer opens the door. It inspires a grateful heart. So pray. Another thing that prayer does, it aligns us with God's will. Uh, Here's a prayer that I I was taught to pray early on in in my faith journey. Psalm 143.10, teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will, God, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. God, teach me to do your will. Lead me, you know, as the psalmist would say elsewhere, the path of righteousness. Lead me to solid ground. Lead me, God, in in the paths that please you. God, teach me to do your will. And and praying that, if you just prayed that every day, let me tell you what would happen. You would live your day with more sensitivity to what God may be up to in and through you and around you. If you woke up every day and said, God, today I just want you to teach me to do your will. God, I know you have a plan for my life individually. and, And God, I just want to be open to whatever that looks like today. So God, today I'm, I'm going to be watching, I'm going to be listening, I'm going to be expecting. It makes life feel a bit more exciting because when you go to class or you go to work or you go do what you do most every day of your life, it just keeps you with this greater sense of awareness that, that God is at work in my life, God has a plan for my life, and I want to be, be on the lookout for that, I want to I watch for that, I want to listen for that. And all of a sudden, life, it loses a little bit of the mundane, boring nature that sometimes it can take on because of the routine of every day. We just kind of keep on doing the same things every single day of our life. But when we're attuned to the fact that God has a plan for me individually, and at some point today, maybe God's plan for me individually will intersect with somebody else's plan that he has for them as an individual, that's an exciting thing. And all of a sudden, I'm looking for opportunities. All of a sudden, I'm a bit more sensitive to conversations. I'm a bit more attentive with how I'm listening to conversations. So teach me to do your will because, God, it's going to put me in alignment with you. Uh, Another important thing about prayer is this. It moves us towards forgiveness and reconciliation. It is hard to pray and ask God to forgive you when you are not willing to forgive those who have wronged you. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive you of your sins. To pray and ask God to forgive me while I'm not willing to forgive someone else that has wronged me. You know what you call that? Hypocrite. Right? God, forgive me. But... I'm going to continue to be angry at them. I'm going to continue to hold my grudge. I'm going to continue when I see them to walk the other way. I'm going to continue that every time their name is brought up in a conversation, I'm going to continue to verbally assault them in the ears of the person who's talking with me. It's really difficult to pray and ask God to forgive us of our long list of things and not be willing to forgive those who have wronged us somewhere along the way. And to pray it automatically moves us in the direction of forgiveness and reconciliation. It is hard to pray for someone and be angry at them at the same time. Husbands and wives, just practice that. Just just start praying for each other and, and watch how difficult it is to be ticked at each other. Pray for that person at work that just, it, they, just, they just gnaw on that last nerve of yours. And they just chew on it all day long. Just start praying for that person and and watch what may happen. That all of a sudden they're not irritating you as much. Prayer reminds us that if God's willing to wipe the slate clean with us, why should we not be willing to wipe the slate clean with the people who have wronged us? Here's another thought. Prayer keeps followers of Jesus following Jesus. Jesus said this, we should always pray so we don't faint. It's not that you're not going to feel like quitting, but the more you pray, the less likely you will be to quit. The less like you, likely you will be and I will be to drift away from faith or our commitment to God or to Christ. So Jesus said, just pray. I mean, you're still going to have disappointments. You're still going to you know, have irritations. You're still going to have trouble and all of that kind of stuff. That's not going to change. It's not going to make life better, but it's going to make you less likely. It's going to make me less likely to walk away and just quit and wave the white flag to say I'm done. When you're spending time praying every day, so so the New Testament in so many different ways, and the Old Testament as well, just invites us to pray because prayer makes a big difference. And, and all of these things that we talked about, just real briefly, all of those things we want those things to be real in our life. And the Scripture comes together and say, "Okay, well then just just pray." The the first disciples they came alongside of Jesus and and they listened to him pray, and then they were like, "Well, Lord, teach us to pray the way you pray, because when we listen to you pray." That's something real. That, that, that sounds meaningful. That sounds relational. Because if you want to take your faith from just being functional and make it relational, prayer is the ticket. If you want to take God who seems so far away and bring him near, prayer is the ticket. If you want to take your faith which seems a bit impersonal and make it personal, prayer is the ticket. And so here was Jesus' advice to all of us, and this is where we ended. This was his advice to us. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And FYI, there is a big difference. There is a big difference in praying to be seen by others and praying to be heard by God. There's a difference in just praying to be heard by God and to know that you're being heard by God and not worrying about what other people think or what other people are hearing. He says the hypocrites just want to be seen and heard by people. He said, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So Jesus' point was just pray to be heard by God. Just pray with the right motive. And to know that God is not your puppet on a string. Prayer is not your way of making God do what you want him to do. It's not forcing God in a corner. That's not what it is. Because some things you pray for will happen the way that you ask God to do it. There will be lots of things that you pray for that won't happen the way that you ask God to do it. But in the end, you trust God to know that he can do it. And to trust God that even though he doesn't do it, that what he has planned instead is better than what you were asking him to do to begin with. Jesus goes on. He says this. He says, and when you pray, go into your room or your closet. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And the implication is he will reward you openly in some way. And and here's just this is just elementary. There's always a reward for praying. There's always a reward for praying. God always rewards prayer. And it's not always with the answer that you want. But there's always a reward to prayer. And to pray knowing that God is going to reward my prayer in some way. And whatever way God chooses to reward it is going to be good. And it's going to be better. And it's going to be best for me and for those around me. That's incredible. He goes on, he says, and when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they're going to be heard for their many words. So don't don't worry about your words. Don't worry about trying to sound Christian, don't worry about trying to sound spiritual, don't worry about, you know, trying to add EST to every verb so you sound like the King James Version Bible. Don't worry about that. Don't worry if you've got all the names down or all the terms right. Just you know how to talk, right? Yeah, talk to God the way you talk to anybody else and, you know, quit putting yourself under so much pressure. Just have a conversation. Just talk to God. Don't, don't think it's going to make God impressed because you use big words or long words or, you know, a lot of words. He says, don't be like the pagans. Don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So you're not praying to impress God and you're not praying to inform God. You're praying to invite God into the details Of your life. He says this then is how you should pray. And we've all heard these words before. So if you just got up tomorrow. And just carved out a little piece of your day. And just prayed these words. I guarantee it would make a difference. Our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Give me today my daily bread and forgive me of my debts as I forgive those who have debts against me. Lead me not, God, into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. And if you just took those words and just expanded on them just a little bit, the difference those prayers could make, well, you just don't know the difference those prayers could make. And I've given this to you before, but th- this, is, this is kind of an outline that I use most every day of my life. Declare God's greatness. Just wake up, God, our Father, my Father in heaven. Hallowed be Your name. God, You're You're great. You're good, and and You deserve my best. And You are great, and You're greatly to be praised. And God, just You're such a good God, and such God, You're so big. You're bigger than I think You are, and You're greater than I think You are. And You just declare God's greatness, and You surrender to God's authority. You know, God, Your kingdom, not my kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom. Get built today, God, not mine. Your will be done, not my will be done today. And God, I just surrender to that. I surrender to what's important to you. I surrender to your priorities. I surrender to your will over my will. God, today I want to trust in your provision. I'm getting ready to go to work. And the only reason I'm going to work today is because you've given me the health to go to work today. I'm going to be spending some money today. And God, the only reason I have that money is because you gave me the power to earn that money or God I've been blessed with that money. And so God, I just I'm I'm going to trust your provision for me for today. I'm going to rest in your grace. Because I know that you have forgiven me. You've forgiven me in Christ because of what he did for me on the cross. So God, I'm going to rest in your grace. And I'm going to extend the grace that I've received to other people. So God, if I've got anybody that I'm at odds with or that I'm not forgiving or that I have anger towards God. I want to give them the same grace that you have given to me. And God, I want to invite you. I want to invite your leadership into my life today. So, God, wherever I go, whatever I do, whatever I'm a part of, God, I'm just inviting you into the details of my life. You know, I got that test on Thursday. God, I got to go to the doctor on Tuesday. I've got that big meeting on Wednesday. God, I just, you know, you know kind of how I feel about these things. So, I'm inviting you in. And, and imagine if you just took a few moments a day, just a few moments a day to do that. The difference it can make. And more than ever, especially after last week, more than ever, we should, insp- we should be inspired to have a time to have a place and to have a plan for prayer. To have a time, a place, and a plan. First thing in the morning, you give your first part of your day to God. Maybe, maybe, maybe your schedule's different, and you give that last, that last 30 minutes of the day to God. But you have a time, you have a place, you have a chair, you have a room, there's a table somewhere. There's a place that you go and you just you just talk to God for a few minutes, and you have a plan. Maybe you just read that portion of the prayer that Jesus said, Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. and You have a plan. You have have things that you're praying for. And here would be my encouragement to all of us. And this is what I would call us all to do more than ever as a church. With the future being as bright as it's ever been and hope for the future being as real as it's ever been and the opportunity to change things being more real than it's ever been. Here, Here would be my encouragement for all of us beginning with me to pray big prayers because God is a big God. So here's my question, what are you gonna be praying for? What could you begin to ask God to do in your life, through your life, in the life of your family? What's gonna be different because of the prayers you pray? How will you be different? How will your family be different? How will your future husband or future wife or future children be different? How will the community be different? How will this state be different? Because we decided to pray big prayers. How will the nation's future look? Because we decided to pray big prayers. What's going to be different? Because we decided to take our prayers to the God of the universe, knowing that our prayers would make difference and here's the thing if you pray big enough prayers your prayers will outlive you your prayers if they're big enough they will outlive you so pray for the next generation pray for a generation of people yet to be born pray for future campuses you know all over the state that you may not even be around i may not be able to be around to see i'm already praying about the next pastor whoever whoever he is I'm praying about the pastor after that pastor. I'm praying about my grandchildren who are not even born yet. My my great-grandchildren, they're not even born yet. Prayers that are big may outlive you, and perhaps they should, because prayers have no expiration date. So what are we praying for? Here's some things I need you to start praying for right now. We need God to open up a door of opportunity for a facility in Middlesbrough. We had an opportunity, and the door got closed, and it was looking promising, but now another door has opened, and there's another door that seems to be opening, and I've got a big meeting on Thursday, and I need you to pray that God would open a door for us to procure a facility in Middlesbrough. And whatever is best in his plan, that's what we want. But we're asking God, God, would you open a door for our church to be able to procure a facility in Middlesbrough. I want to invite all of us to pray that prayer. I want to invite you to pray for campus number 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10. And I need you to start praying about the leaders of those campuses today. I want you to start praying for the men and the women and the sons and the daughters that are going to walk through the doors of those campuses that are yet to be built. I need you to start praying big prayers for tomorrow. And I want you to start that today because your prayers and my prayers and our prayers, they will make a difference. So, two questions. What are you asking God for? What are you asking God for? Have a list. Write them down. And then second of all, what are you thanking God for? Have a list and write it down. The one thing that I didn't want to neglect to do this weekend was to come back and lead our church to say thank you for what God did in our midst last weekend. For God doing the miraculous. for, For God blowing our expectations away. For God putting us in a position to be able to change our state. To be able to change communities in our state. To bring us multiple steps closer to making that vision a reality. I wanted us all to come back and just to say thank you. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to bow our heads for just a moment. I want us to close our eyes. And in your own words, in your own heart, beyond saying thank you for what God did here last week, I want you to think about some things that you're thankful for. Some things maybe you've not verbally thanked God for recently the good things and the good people and, and maybe even some of the painful things that God has brought good out of. And I, I want you just to take a moment and I want you to thank God for some things. To name them and to say thank you God. And then I want you to think about a couple of things big that you're asking God to do. And I want you to spend a moment and I want you to just to pray about those things. Maybe it's somebody in your life that's far from God that you're praying will come to faith. Maybe it's a situation that if God doesn't intervene, you're just not sure what will happen. But I want us all just to take a moment, and I want us to just pray some prayers of gratitude. And I want us to just pray some big prayers where we ask God to do some big things. Not only in our own lives, but the lives of the people around us and the life of our church. So let's just take a moment. And let's just talk to God. we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. You've been faithful to us even when we've been unfaithful, when we've been faithless. Thank you for how good you've been to us. Thank you for the things that we so often take for granted. Thank you for the breath in our lungs right now. Thank you for the ability to think and To walk in this place and to walk out. Thank you for the level of health that we do have. Thank you for the opportunity to to make a difference. Thank you for the relationships, the good friends. Thank you, God, for even some of those tough seasons that you allowed us to go through, but you brought good out of it, and you are bringing good out of it. God, thank you for the shoulders of the people that we stand upon. Thank you for the prayers of moms and dads and maybe a grandmother or grandfather or maybe strangers that we've never met that that prayed for us. Thank you for that. Thank you for food that's in the pantry. Thank you for transportation. God, just thank you for your goodness so grateful and God we come back today and we just want to say thank you for what you're doing in our church and what you're doing in your people and we just want to thank you for all the future difference that's going to be made for future churches and future communities and a future that is filled with men and women and boys and girls who will come to faith the trajectory of their life forever changed communities that experience a shift darkness that's gonna get pushed back by light we're just so grateful thank you so much God I know I I, I don't deserve so much of the goodness any of the goodness that you've extended in my life and it's one of the great mysteries of how you could be so good to me when i don't deserve it it is your grace amazing marvelous unconditional grace thank you god in jesus name and everybody said